Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. And here we are again on another Monday. The Man Up Monday podcast, and we welcome you all to our live uh, broadcast tonight and we thank you for joining us if you get an opportunity would you please share uh, this podcast um, and this video cast right at the moment uh, on all your YouTube your Facebook anything that you can get a hold of we would appreciate it and uh, share it and like it and watch us every single Monday night we just want to welcome you thank you uh, this podcast will be available on all platforms, Apple, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Podomatic is the one that we use uh, tomorrow morning and all the other platforms that are out there as well. We hit, I think, 10 of them total. And man, our podcast is blowing up. God has been doing amazing work and uh, continues just to grow and grow and grow. So the way that we pay for this podcast, folks, is through some of our merch. If you get an opportunity, go to manupmerch.com. Uh, you can find our books, you can find our coffee, you can find our mugs, and uh, I've got my mug way over here. Let me grab it real quick. It's got my coffee in it. And uh, get an opportunity to go there. Not only will you support our ministry and our podcast, but you'll look really cool doing it as well. And uh, as usual, I have my crew in the back. I've got uh, Mr. Fergoza. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. You staying out of trouble? Yeah, mostly. Okay, good, good. Have a good week. I had a great week. I yeah. heard you had a video shoot this week. We did. Okay. Uh, shot on top of the roof of one of my buddy's businesses. Didn't tell him about it. little gorilla style. He got a good kick out of it. But, uh, yeah, okay. had anagram film out again with uh, Adam Miller and same guys who did my last video shoot. Good day, man. Awesome. Uh, and that day. was which song? Uh, that one is Waking Up. It's okay. like maybe three years old, but we're still getting around to pushing it a little bit um it's awesome that you get to have uh i mean i'm still doing a full-time job but right. uh days like that literally make That's that awesome. one day will hold me over for the next six months you know That's just awesome. itching to get another something done so. i saw some pictures it looks pretty good yeah so your excited. son took some amazing pictures that's why it looks so good. <laughs> i wasn't gonna give him a shout oh, out oh you <laughs> should kid's got an eye he does doesn't he well yeah. good i'm glad glad you're doing rusty welcome back brother thank you it's good you, to be back you had to uh you were on the midol regiment for the, for the last <laughs> well, couple of services apparently so but it's good to be back for the last couple mm. of uh shows i'm glad you're back and feeling better so yep uh, welcome to the show well, folks, I am uh, really excited about our guest tonight. Um, he, he is uh, the founder of uh, Core Love uh, Ministries. And uh, what called him to do it. And um, it is, uh, um, it, it, their tagline is defend the orphan. And as you guys know, my heart is uh, that we need to be taking care of the order, uh, the orphans and the widows a lot more than what we do as a, as a kingdom. And we've got to do a better job of it. And Mike sounds like he is um, killing it from all fronts. Mike, welcome to the podcast tonight. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here, man. I'm so so glad to to meet you and to uh, just hear about your ministry and uh, man, just the 
the faith step that you have taken to um, go out there in the world and, and help the widows and the orphans. And um, uh, I just appreciate what you're doing there. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that's awesome. Well, Mike, why don't you um, introduce yourself? Um, give us a, your website. Um, and we'll start tagging people here as we, as we, about the ministry, uh, your marriage, your kids, all that kind of good stuff. Just give me your biography real quick. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, as Jody said, my name's Mike Reisner. Um, my wife, Mandy and I founded Core Love 10 years ago. Uh, we do have three amazing children. Um, our oldest is 22. We have my daughter in the middle and then my youngest son uh, is just graduating high school this year and he's a senior. And my, my, my only daughter, uh, just got married last year. So I had the uh, privilege, but also, uh, you know, it was a little heartbreaking to get my only daughter away, but she married a wonderful man. So God's been so faithful and good to us there. Man, dude, I'm, do, uh, I'm doing that. Was, I'm doing that in two weeks. Uh, give, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my buddies had a side bet on when I would cry during <laughs> the ceremony. Yeah. yeah I don't even it, think I'm going to make it, it to the, one. I'm not even going to make it to the ceremony, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, just laughed and yeah. we cried together. Good. That's awesome. That is awesome. And, um, so you, you have your kids, you have, um, your wife, obviously you've now got a son-in-law and, um, you also have a ministry called core love. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take us from, um, the start today? Absolutely. Um, well, my wife and I, we, we went right into ministry, uh, right after we got married and just kind of got thrown into it. Um, did some inner city stuff. Uh, in the city of Houston. And that's really, I would say, where God kind of captured our heart for uh, for the fatherless. And um, through that journey, we kind of uh, served in a couple different churches, always in pastoral ministry <clears throat> and always local. And about 10 years ago, I felt a, a real transition coming on in my life. And I know that, you know, any anyone listening and has ever gone through a transition, sometimes the Lord doesn't actually speak clearly during that transition period uh he kind of you know speaks on a need to know basis maybe a, a few feet ahead of ahead and so i had never really gone through something quite like that our ministry had never been more fruitful we had never uh you know just enjoyed ministry as much as we had but yet there was something that we were a little uh I would say the grace had kind of lifted on what we were doing and it really got my attention. So it caused my wife and I to really press in and just say, God, what are you speaking? And I, I, I literally thought, man, am I supposed to go get a, you know, a, a different job? I, I never questioned my call to the ministry, but I just couldn't quite figure out what this transition was and what it was. God was just stirring the nest and making me so uncomfortable that really caused me to, to stop and pause and, 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 and just listen. And one morning out of desperation, I just, I remember walking into my office at the church. I locked the door, I got on my face and I just said, God, I've got to hear your voice. And, um, I'll never forget that morning. It, it changed the whole trajectory of, of my life and my family. Um, 
orphan care wasn't on my radar. Before that time, Mandy and I, my wife, had never been out of the country together, uh, never felt called to missions. We loved supporting missions, and but we, we just loved what we were doing. And, um, and just the, the, the orphan crisis came to my mind and heart, and I didn't even know what that meant. And I just, I was thinking about uh, James 127, which talks about pure and undefiled religion and worship, being to take care of widows and orphans. Uh, Isaiah 117 kind of flash. I preached messages about that, encouraged people to do it. We, we did it from a distance. But I felt like the Lord was that morning um, offering me to walk with him and carry a burden with him. In fact, that's exactly uh, what, what he spoke to me. He said, would you, would you carry this orphan crisis burden with me? And the thing that, Jody, the thing that really probably hit me the hardest is the fact that I didn't know the name of one orphan that morning. 17 years of full-time ministry, preaching, teaching, even on Isaiah 117, James 127, I didn't know the name of one orphan if I had to, to, to name one, much less know one intimately and personally. And so, uh, man, I was just heartbroken. I, I, I just say it was, a, and many people may not understand this, but it was a supernatural burden that God gave me. I got up from my face. I remember the tears coming down my face. I hadn't cried in a long time because I just, I just hadn't heard from God. And I, I remember that felt so good to feel the tears of sorrow and just feeling God's heartbreak. And um, I remember jumping on my computer and just searching the orphan crisis. And wow. man, I had no idea. I had no idea. And in fact, if, if it's okay, I'd, I'd like to share. I don't want to bore anyone with a bunch of stats, but oh, heck I just no. want no, to that's share what We want to hear few. that for sure. Yeah, I want to share a few that I read, and, and I, I still share these 10 years later. The first, the first one was the number of orphans, and now it's uh, over 150 million orphans. And that, that didn't shock me too much because I didn't even know how to wrap my mind around it. Right. I just knew it was a big number. And so I did research, and, and in America, you would have to take every child from 0 to 18 years of age and double the population, and that would be the amount of orphans in the world, or the, the size of Russia. Wow. Put all orphans in one country. It would be, you know, the size of Russia. And, and I, like most people, I thought, oh, my gosh, well, the solution to that must be adoption. And that's where it got worse. I, I researched adoption, and roughly 250,000 uh, children are, are adopted each year. So a quarter of a million, I thought, well, this is, this is awesome. You know, this, this is going to take care of this. And, but I did the simple math, and it would take 500 years to adopt that many children at the rate, current rate. And that's if we pushed pause on any more children becoming orphaned because every 15 seconds, another child is orphaned. I mean, while we're on this podcast, you know, uh, dozens and dozens and, and uh, children are, are just being orphaned due to various reasons. And, and so then, then I thought, okay, so let me, let me figure out what this, what the adoption, um, which praise God, by the way, for every adoption that's ever taken place. And man, I just, I champion any family and, uh, that make room for, for one more Amen. child in their home. So, all four, so credit all four to, of my kids are adopted. Thank you. Amen. Seriously. It's, seriously. All, it's all God. Trust me. 
That, that's why. Yeah, I'm, that's hey, why man, I'm sitting. I, here, I that's why I'm sitting here today, but because of my adopted kids, I wouldn't be a Christian if it weren't for them. And is it not true that everyone is a miracle? I mean, oh my uh, a miracle, even how it happens. I mean, it, it, adoption is not for the faint of heart. No, it's you know? not. Um, and so, so here, if, if you leave with anything today, um, it's this one. Um, 99% of all orphans, 150 million, most likely will not be adopted. So the 250,000 a year takes care of less than 1%. Wow. And that is what God was fueling in me as I was researching this and, and, and the reason why we started Core Love, and that is what fuels Core Love. We want to go to the 99%, and I know that's a huge mountain, and, and I, I, I know that there's people watching, and maybe, maybe God's asking or listening, and God's asking them to start something new and fresh, and, and for me, it was looking at that 99% and thinking, God, what good could I do? Like, what? What difference can I make? And and you talk about someone feeling unqualified to to reach the orphan, didn't even know the name, and yet I felt God saying, if you will give me what's in your hand, I'll not only help you, but I'll do miracles with it. And I laughed in in my office that morning. I laughed <laughs> because here I was, you know, just I didn't have anything. I didn't have nothing in my pockets, nothing in my hands. And He actually told me that morning on top of promising that if I give him what's in my hand, he'll do miracles with it. He said, this is actually what qualifies you. It's not what you have. It's mm, what you're willing to give me. There you go. It may be. There you and go. And so he has been so faithful these last 10 years, um, as we, as we said, yes, 10 years ago. That is amazing, man. That is such that I, I wish more people, you know, once you hear the voice of God, it's one of those things where you're going, okay, what, First of all, you got to know the voice of God, and that's where most Christians don't understand is they don't they don't hear the voice of God. Number one, through the Word of God. Number two, through their prayer. One, number three, through the the, the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're not listening um, intently to hear that voice from God. But once you hear it, then there's that that moment that you have to move. You have to actually have to do something, and that's where that, that question, you know, for you sitting in your office and the next thing you go, okay, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, all you have to do is just give me you, I'll take care of the rest mm -hmm. of it. And, um, you know, so, so many Christians are scared to death to step out into that arena to actually move when God says move. And that, that's yeah. a, that's a scary place to be, um, for the church. And, you know, you look at, you said there's 150 million children around the world that need to be adopted and that yeah. is that number escalating or is it kind of plateaued um it, it is it is um so so every 15 seconds as i said they 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 estimate that another child is being orphaned um but the adoption's not catching up to it right and that's what i okay. said if we push pause it, it, at the at the at the rate we're going now, it would take over 500 years. So I mean, generations upon generations, and that's kind of that's kind of what really fueled me. You know, like you 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 hear things and you just go, "That's not okay with me." As a dad, that's not okay with me. And um, and I'll share in a minute how, what led us to take our first trip to go visit 
some orphanages that just wrecked our wrecked our world. But I, I, if if you have any, you know, just any more questions before that, you know, shoot. No, I was I I just I'm I'm still sitting here trying to figure out the number. Like that just blows me away. Is that um, mm. we have that I um we have an outpost in Haiti, and I know that you do a lot of work in Haiti. So I'm hoping that you and I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, do more work in Haiti because um, we have a man up God's way outpost in Haiti in Port-au-Prince and we're training, we're training 40 pastors. And um, what we're training them to do is to reach the men, you know, that uh, as you well know, in Haiti, majority of the men are, uh, I call them rabbits because that's all they're doing is they're making babies and leaving um, kind of deal. Mm. And um, we're trying to train these pastors how to reach the men to actually step up and, you know, not leave their their wife or their family or their girlfriend or whatever, you know, that is and trying to keep that family in, in tune. And um, it blows me away that there's just in Haiti alone, there's 500,000 orphans orphans just in a 12 million population yeah. I know it. and um uh Amazing. It, it, it just you know it's just this whole mindset that the the church you know you, you can even start in the united states if you look in the united states unfortunately what the church developed uh, early on in the the uh, implementation of the united states was we had the orphan system relatively well well taken care of um, you know, in the church, we had the medical system taken care of in the church and we had the school system taken care of in the church. And eventually we just kind of gave those back over to the government. Uh, and now it's a miserable process to, you know, trying to adopt a child. And, um, it, it scares a lot of people off. Um, I, I, my point is, is saying that, you know, I, I feel for you. I'm praying for you. Like as we speak, I'm sitting here praying, like, how does he reach the, 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 that 99%? And how do mm. we, how do we help him do that? Like if Christians just in the United States were to, to go and I think, was it like 1.5 children or something like two children for per Christian or something like that? They would literally yeah. have, you know, all the all the orphans taken care of. The yeah, United States. I think it was uh, the stat we were looking at last week was if every church in America adopted one point five child, okay. uh, the amount of orphans in the U.S. would be taken care okay. of. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. So, you know, what's what's the kingdom of God doing? You know, if we're going to claim to be the kingdom of God, why are we sitting on the sidelines? We're doing nothing. Doing, doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, oh Jesus, grip our hearts. Huh? Amen. I'll give you a perfect example. Like my my two older kids, they're twenty one and twenty, and they were both private adoptions, and they're brother and sister, and that's a miracle story within itself. Um, we 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 were blessed to get my daughter, and um, we were in the birthing room, and you know, um, God just really worked that out, and you know, we go off and we take her and she's ours and 18 months later we get a call from the same birth mom to asking if we wanted a son and so literally kind of the same process in the birthing room take them both home but that process alone cost us um i want to say of upwards 100 grand uh on on both of those on both of those children that was 20 years ago um 21 years ago for you know a private adoption 
Then our second two, uh, which are twins, um, we actually got through the foster care system, and um, but it took us almost almost eight years to adopt them. Like it was just just a crazy, and it didn't cost as much by any means, but it just took forever uh, through the system. So, what do um, what do people do? Like, what should people do, or how do people get through this process of of getting engaged and getting, um, you know, the desire to get past all the hoops and stuff to, to adopt children. And it, it's, um, it's, it's so challenging. You know, there's countries that are closed to it. Uh, more and more countries are not wanting their children to be adopted. They're, they, they don't want them taken out of their culture. Right. And th- there's a, there's a plethora of, of just challenges. But if I could get to the root of it, it's demonic. Yes. Satan does not want these children in Christian homes to be future worshipers of him. That's, that's, I mean, look, just look at the, just look at what, you know, you want to know what God cherishes the most. What does the enemy spend the most time assaulting the family? family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing with, with the orphan crisis around the world. And I think that's, I think that's what's, fueling us even more just as we kind of, you know, we're only 10 years old, but we're just going, okay. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we, we formed our vision. Our, our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus to orphans around the world by providing their six basic needs of clean water, food, healthcare, education, job skills, and our most important Christ centered loving home. And I can tell you, man, and when you visit, when you visit our, our orphanages, um, of course, it, it breaks your heart because, you know, they don't all get to go home to a mom and a dad. And But when you see the joy of the Lord on these kids, because they have met their father, you know, uh, in, in Christ and God and perfect father. Um, like I said, it's, it's still heartbreaking, but but it's amazing what you walk away with too, just seeing seeing those children that have met God and they have the joy of the Lord and, and you just. One of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, scriptures and Psalms, it says, um, it says a father to orphans, a defender of widows is God in his most holy dwelling place. And then it goes on to say, God places the lonely in families. Mm, that's and good. you see that, you see that in their hearts, that, that God is taking that place and that role of a father in their life. And, um, and so it's, it's just inspiring to watch our kids and, and um yeah it's that's powerful. amazing can you still hear me mike we just had a technical issue can yeah you st- okay you can still hear me Absolutely. okay it actually right, got much cleaner on our end so yeah that's it, awesome. can you still hear for goza uh it's it uh yeah i can lean in just i'll turn up okay well bit. i th- i think we i think we it, it's cleaner on our end but i think we lost those guys but uh, they'll, they'll be all right they'll, <laughs> they'll do our technical stuff back there so um, well, so, so tell us, so, so take us back to, um, you know, after God called you, tell, told you like, you know, just give me you, um, what happened from there? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I couldn't shake the burden. That's, that's the first thing. And, and I would say our vision was formed out of a burden. And I encourage I encourage people that, that anytime in, in ministry specifically, but but no matter what you know what endeavor, 
is I think it's easy just to get a clever vision statement. I would say for what's most important is the why. Right. And that was what God was driving um, deep inside us is just the why we were feeling the way we were feeling. And so out of that, of course, our, our vision came. But I, I couldn't shake the burden. And, and my spiritual father, Doug Stringer, he, he does ministry all over the world. And I mean, has been to so many different countries. And so I finally called him and I just said, Doug, I need you to process this with me. Is what I'm feeling legit? You know, do I need to, what, what action step do I need to take? And, and man, um, he, he just, he listened to me and he said, this is, this is definitely, definitely of God. You know, you need to, you need to act on it. I said, well, I don't even know what to do. I've never even been out of the country with my wife. You know, we've never been on a mission trip together. And he said, well, um, what you're talking about, because I was just sharing these, the, the, the crisis and what I felt like the Lord would want us to do. And that's go to them. And he said, well, you need to, you need to pick one place to start with. And I was like, how do I do that? I was like, can, can you just help me? And he said, well, what country comes to your mind? And I got to be honest. I mean, I didn't have a burden for any particular country, but it was in 2010, the earthquake in Haiti took place. Right. Over 300,000 you know, people died in a day. And that was kind of still fresh in my mind and you know, because I'd heard about it. So I said, well, what about Haiti? And he said, Haiti would be an amazing place to start. And I, this is on a phone call. And I That's said, great. <laughs> I said, then Haiti it is. He goes, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And he goes, all right, Mike. He goes, you're not going to believe this, but in two weeks, I have a team going to Haiti. I want you to join me. And I said, count me in. He goes, do you have a passport? I'm like, no. <laughs> he goes, you don't have a passport? I'm like, no. I've never, I've never traveled out of the country with my wife. <laughs> And he's like, get your passport. So we expedited our passport. That was a miracle. And we got on the plane to go with his team. And he set me up with a missionary in, in Haiti. And I visited about seven or eight orphanages. And man, the God used those moments to just, just rip my heart out. The first orphanage I ever went into was in Port-au-Prince, Faith, Hope, Love, Infant Rescue Center. Um, it's it's no longer there. The lady who started that orphanage has has now retired, and we adopted mm. all of those children. So oh, all of those children are orphanage now. But I went in I went into that orphanage, and and it's like you have to keep you have to remember like like I don't know the name of an orphan. My my heart is broken for kids that I've never met, and I walk into the orphanage. I didn't know what to do. Like I'm looking at these kids. Well, my wife had picked up this little 18 month old girl, and I walk over to her. And I said, Mandy, what's what's this little girl's name? And she goes, her name's my love. And as soon as as the name left my wife's lips, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now, you know, the name of your first. Oh, man. And man, you can't make this story up. Um, We later we we, we later uh, inquired about adopting her. She was one of the only two children at that orphanage that was eligible for adoption. We started the process, unfortunately, just with the corruption and just the difficulties of finding her father who mentally is not there because he is alive. We couldn't get we couldn't get to the last step. So um, she she, we, we got all the way to she is legally ours in Haiti. 
but cannot bring her back to America. So you talk about oh, heartbreaking. Now goodness. she's now she's ten years old. Um, she's in our our orphanage, so we get to see her all the time. But the saddest thing is, Jody, is I cannot love her like I want to, because that just would not be fair to the other children. Right. Um, so uh, if you could just imagine, just no, you know, I can't. That heartbreak. <laughs> I um, can't. Oh my goodness. I, so I, and we pull her aside every so often, but I mean, you know, you got. 70 other children at that particular orphanage looking at us, you know, so we, we, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking, but the good news is that she is, she is being loved every day, being taken care of. Um, and, and God is doing some great things in her heart. So, um, we still, we still haven't lost hope in that situation, but we've also just had to surrender that to the Lord. Right. But, um, anyway, so I, I go on my first trip, I meet my love, I, I visit some different orphanages, I come back home and on the plane back, um, my wife looks at me and she goes, what are you thinking? And I said, I, I'm thinking I can't see what I just saw and not do something about it. Oh, um, come on We're going to do something about it. Yes. Amen. And, uh, and I said, that, that's just not okay with me. And I think that's an important question for men, you know, to answer that question. Right. What's, what's not going to be okay with you, you know, on your watch, what and, and for me, it was, it was that situation. And so I went in Monday morning to our senior pastor's office and resigned my full-time ministry position to start Core Love uh, wow. and not, not, not even knowing. I mean, you talk about people thought we were crazy, and it was crazy, but, but we knew the Lord was asking us to do it. My, my parents, my, my in-laws, I mean, we have our, our children were 8, 10, and 12 at that time, and we walk away from from ministry and our job as we knew it to just start something from scratch not having any clue of of what god would do we we felt like he was gonna meet us and 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 honor our obedience but we had no idea god would do what he's done in the last 10 years and that's literally how we started core love we started in our living room wow uh, holy cow dude that is so awesome man that so what like uh as a, I'm also a senior pastor, and so I can't imagine mm-hmm. what I'm. Actually, I would love for one of my guys to walk in and quit and say they're starting a ministry like this, like that. That would, it would be such just a, a, an amazing feeling for to know that they're stepping out and yeah. doing the kingdom stuff. But what, like, what well, was what was your pastor's uh, impression on man, it? Pastor Jody, I'm so glad you asked that because it doesn't get asked that much, and and I can tell from your heart you would have done the same thing he did. He, he championed it. He, um, there you go. He, he, he heard our heart. We, we quickly, like I said, just kind of got a a vision and a purpose and, and kind of laid out, you know, where, where we felt like um, we could meet the greatest needs starting in Haiti. He brought us before our whole church. And of course we had served there for nine years and nine of the 17 years. And, and, literally uh helped us raise our budget over half of our budget in one sunday because you know we we started that's awesome we started just living as missionaries you know i mean we we were were missionaries and and we didn't have any experience of that we didn't even know how to raise how do you raise your own support right yeah exactly but my pastor pastor steve owens man just just said man how can we not get behind this and uh, i just I, i wouldn't be 
here and doing what I'm doing if it were not for the support of men like that. So, um, yeah, that is great. That is great. So he, uh, he blessed you, sent you on your way and you had mm -hmm. half of what you were. So let me ask you that. How did you even know what budget you needed? Well, is it just based on books. your expenses uh, or, yeah. you know, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a book called, um, the God ask. And then there's yeah. another book called funding yeah. my ministry. We devoured those and they kind of help you kind of create like a budget. Um, now keep in mind, we didn't know if God would call us to move full time there in Haiti or just spend a lot of time. We knew he was going to ask us to spend a lot of time, but we were open. In fact, we wanted to just move there. And the Lord began to speak to us that he desired for us to build an organization. And, and this is how that came about. I had a vision, uh, Jody, one, one morning. This is, this is right before I went to Haiti. I knew I was going to Haiti. I had a vision that I was holding a little boy's hand. And, um, and it looked, he, he looked Haitian. I mean, just, just by color of skin. And I knew I was going to Haiti. So in my vision, I just figured it was a Haitian boy. And then I was holding uh, another, a man, a grown man's hand. And I was walking with them hand in hand. So I had uh, in one hand, the little boy, the other hand, the grown man. And I was interpreting back and forth. He didn't speak English. Um, and I was, so I was, I was interpreting so that they can communicate and have a conversation. We walked about 20 steps and, and I saw this vision from behind and then I joined their hands together and they kept walking. Well, I turned around and ran as fast as I could back to the starting point and I grabbed another little boy's hand and another man's hand and I did the same thing three or four times in this vision. It was so vivid. I said, God, what are you showing me? What am I doing in this vision? He said, he said, I'm going to put an anointing on this organization and I'm going to give you the grace to introduce the American church to the orphan and the orphan to the American church. Oh, but you will see God. that it is the American church who needs the orphan more than they even Agreed. need the church. Wow. And, and man, I, I just have been walking in that favor. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I feel like the Lord wanted us to establish and get a, a healthy organization built here in the States that, that, supported core love now we spent a lot of time there we have a school of missions that raises up missionaries to go live there and um before covid we were taking 40 trips a year now these are made up of churches youth groups college ministries right. so 40 different churches are 40 different trips made up of way more than 40 churches we're going every year meeting the orphan learning their name learning that they have a destiny and in james 127 i mean practicing pure and undefiled worship. Mm, there you go. And, um, and so that, that's kind of, that's kind of how, how we've introduced a lot of churches, um, to the orphan crisis. And one of the, one of the things I love the most is some of our churches that, that we've taken over to Haiti and, um, introduced them to the orphan crisis firsthand is some of our churches didn't even have a, a missions program or much less an orphan care program. And now many of those churches have a missions department, right. a missions program, an orphan care department. And that's um, amazing. And we just kind of helped, help them start that, you know, by introducing. And, and so that, know, now I see looking back why the Lord had our family remain here. That's but great. to answer your question about the budget. So that was a little bit easier because now we did have to simplify. We, I mean, we, got rid of vehicles. We, we, 
we streamlined stream, everything. We yeah, got there the you go. table. Good. <laughs> good. We just streamlined everything because we, we didn't know how difficult it would be to rate. And you'll love this story. The rest of my the rest of my budget, um, I didn't even have time to send out a letter. Um, pastors that I've known for 17 years, and I tell people, this is why you don't burn bridges. You know, <laughs> uh, they they begin yep. they begin to call me and say. Mike, I heard you resigned your, your position. I was like, yeah. And then that would open up a door of what we're going to go do. And, or pastors would find out and they said, Mike, if you're not, if your family's not taken care of, this thing doesn't even get off the ground. How can we help? How can we support? And before I knew it, our entire budget had been reached and it just helped us to be able to focus on, you know, the vision and the needs. So, you know, it's funny in your vision, you said that, um, you know, you felt like God was telling you that you, you, you want to introduce the churches to orphans. Mm-hmm. And, um, my first mission trip, I went to Guatemala and I hadn't been a Christian, gosh, maybe three years. And I, I kept thinking, man, I am going to Guatemala and I'm going to take God with me and they're going to see God. And we're going to, you know, we're just going to do all kinds of great stuff. And God is just going to move down there. And these orphans are going to be adopted and the orphanages are going to close and all this kind of stuff. And I get down there and, and God was like, dude, I'm already down here. This wasn't, yeah. for, this wasn't for you to bring God to them. It was for me to, to show you what yes. I'm already doing. <laughs> yes. I've never met anyone that didn't have that response. Yeah. <laughs> even, even though yes. we've all gone down there thinking this, poor third world country we're gonna like uh, be able to it, troubleshoot it and you know yeah. and, and be able to improve it we all come back more broken saying man i have a lot to learn from them a hundred percent so what like uh so the ministries that we're involved with in haiti now i keep telling my church i'm like those people down there they worship god in a way that we have never worshiped God and they're, they have more hope. They have more joy. They have more desire to spend time with God than we've ever thought about. And, and they have nothing and no plan B. Yeah. They have no plan B. All they're going to do, like they're, they're not, they're not visioning out their next 10 years. They're literally just going, okay, what am I going to eat today? But today I'm praising God literally. And, um, yeah. Meeting, meeting at four thirty, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning before the sun comes up and it gets hot and there's 40, 50 people out there just about every single day at the church, you know, worshiping yeah. God and praying. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get 10 guys to come to breakfast at six 30 in the morning. And it's much uh, less a prayer meeting. Yeah. Much less a prayer. Re- yeah, exactly. Much less a prayer meeting. And, um, mm. it did just showed, it just showed me that, you know, as blessed as the United States is, we are also cursed to an extent because we can't see past our noses of yeah. what is, what, what really is, what it's all about. You know, we, we think 401k and, you know, having a, a nice house, nice cars and money in the bank and all that's what it's all about. And it's, man, we're missing the boat so bad. It's crazy. Mm. And, uh, mm. I, I just appreciate, you know, what you're doing what you're doing there too. Hey, do you know, um, uh, Vijanae DeMero? He's, I don't. He's with Bethany Christian services there in Port-au-Prince. I don't. Okay. You know, we, we did some, we did quite a bit of work in Port-au-Prince, um, through faith, hope, love. But as soon as, um, 
Miss Dorothy, who ran that orphanage, she retired. We adopted those children and brought them out to the countryside. Our our biggest footprint is in Gonaive. It's the second or third largest city, right? Uh, straight north of Port-au-Prince, okay, a few hours away. And um, and we have we have built a children's village there, which consists of homes for boys and girls, about seventy children. And then, and then, um, man, I, I if uh, I was I think it was my third trip. We were looking for land. And no one really knew it. And supernaturally, we got given land to us in mm. in Gonaives. And um, we went we, we were we went to the land for the first time. And um, the group I had with me was about twenty college students. And I told them, "The Lord has given us this land, and and we're going to build an orphanage here." And they just began to worship God like spontaneously. <laughs> it was like a, a awesome. like like a, a page out of the Book of Acts. Well. Amazing. There's no electricity in that village, so the voices were just carrying, you know, across the mountains, and and all of a sudden, about thirty or forty Haitian people started showing up from that village, wondering what this group of white people were doing in their village. Well, the local pastor that gave us the land, his grandfather gave us the land. He introduces me. Says, "This is Pastor Mike in in Haitian Creole, of course. This right. is Pastor Mike. He runs an organization." And today God's given him this land. And they, they said, well, what, are, what are you going to do in our village? What, what are you going to do with this land? And so he asked me, he goes, they want to know what you're going to do with this land. Uh, you can't make this up. I said, <laughs> well, tell them God willing, we're going to build an orphanage for the fatherless children. And when I told them, you would have thought revival hit. They started oh, running around. You know how crazy. Haitians yeah, crazy, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know this. Yeah. Uh -huh. They started jumping, dancing, singing, and then they calmed down and they go, they said, what else is he going to do? <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, well, God yeah. willing, after we build an orphanage, we're going to build a school so that we can not only educate the children in the orphanage, but we want to we want to help educate the children in the village if they need it. Wow. Oh, they started celebrating again and literally calmed down again and said, what else? <laughs> wow. And, uh, and I was like getting a little nervous. I said, well, we're going to also build a clinic you know, to take care of the need, the, the medical needs of our children, our staff, but also for the local village. And they just celebrated again. Thank God they didn't ask me what else <laughs> I was going to do. But um, man, you're not going to believe this, but uh, a, a year later, we broke ground on the orphanage, opened it a year after we broke ground. As soon as we opened the orphanage, we broke ground on the school. A year later, opened that, had 99 children on day one of our school. Now we have over 300 uh, coming from all over the village, I walked from over a mile away just to come get an education, and oh then we opened up a clinic where thousands have had life-saving healthcare. And and I mean, so when you see this place, it's like an oasis in the desert. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, just to see this place and and uh, all because the sovereignty of God. And get this: when we built the school, our contractor, our Haitian contractor was, you know, they dig these three or four foot deep footers to pour the concrete and they, they, they were digging and hit a foundation. They go into town and do some research on what was there. It was an old Haitian prison ran by the French mm. 200 years before uh, when the French had the Haitians in captivity. And so on top of 
on top of a, a Haitian prison, we built a school for the children. Talking Praise about the sovereignty God. of God. That is awesome. We're getting, we're getting that land back, Satan. Amen. That is yeah. awesome, yeah. dude. That is so cool. We have cool. another children's village in the central plateau called My Side, where, where we have another 40, 40 children there um, that have been rescued. And, and um, man, we're just looking for the next. We feel like the next wave of growth for us is going to be through partnership and relationships. So I'm real, real interested on just developing that with you, just kind of seeing where that takes us. Uh, oh, we have 150 you. Haitian employees uh, that run our entire operations in That's Haiti. Cool. Um, as you know, Haiti got a little, little crazy. The yeah, I'm gonna year, so. let's let's uh, let's don't jump into the uh, political part yet. Let's jump back to so when did you start um, your first orphanage? When was that? What year was that? So two thousand uh, in two thousand um, and eleven, I took my first trip, and on that trip, the Lord the Lord spoke to us very clearly what two orphanages to start supporting. So okay. the two first two orphanages, one in Gonaive, one in Port-au-Prince, we just started supporting financially, sending teams to help however we can, um, teaching the gospel. I mean, just taking, taking, taking um, skills that could help, you know, do some projects, things like that. And then in 2012, that that following year is when that land was given to us. Right. And then 2013, the doors opened. Okay, so 2013, we opened the doors. So you're there right after the hur- or the earthquake, and then mm-hmm. right at right before the hurricane, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's let's go up to the hurricane um, part because I've I've seen the devastation for from both, and yeah. um, they yeah. they just can't get a break, and they just can't recover. So it, true. It just it just seems like, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll come up to where they currently are right now, but. So what, what was the, what was it like after the hurricane? So in Gonaives, um, and, 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 and my side, uh, thankfully those two places were spared for the most part. Okay, we, good. we had emergency plan in place where, you know, we, we proactively, you know, had a, some, some bulk food bought and knew that we would probably need to take care of more than our children, but also just the children of our school, which represents the entire village. And so we had all that in place. Um, but as I said, I mean, you know, it didn't really hit our areas all that hard, believe it or not. Good. Now it still okay. presented a challenge just from the banks that the whole system would shut down. And, and we saw some miracles there where we couldn't access money from the bank. And we literally, uh, people from the market know us because we buy all of our goods locally. We don't ship a bunch of stuff in. We want to we want to impact the local economy and awesome. and, and and be heroes to those folks because we want to we want to present Jesus to them, you know. Right. And so you can imagine if 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 we never touch their economy, you know, we're we're kind of looked at as these outsiders. But just the way God's kind of weaved it all together, I mean they feel as much a part of the work in Haiti. They feel more a part of the work in Haiti than we do. You know, oh, because that's it, great. Like a, that's good. The, the Haitians run it. We empower them. Like I said, 150 Haitian employees. What's amazing about that is that represents a lot of families that'll never have to abandon their children. Right. Um, we pay our employees enough to send them to school, you know, to, to live a, a good life in Haiti. But um, yeah, so we, we saw just the generosity of even the local market giving us food. 
um, to take back to our children because wow. we couldn't access the funds to buy it. And I mean that, I mean, people, when I say that, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't, that, that doesn't happen in Haiti either. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, uh, that is definitely God, uh, going before you. I'm looking at a map now. What part of um, uh, Haiti is your orphanage in again? The first one. So it's it's going out. You've just followed Highway okay. One yeah, 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 straight up north. Exactly. The coastal highway. Got it. Okay. Just past Saint Mark. Yep. And okay. then our other location is go central. So go like uh, east, um, kind of from Port-au-Prince, like kind of northeast right. into the central plateau of my side. Uh, one of the larger cities there. It's not real big, but it, it's called Hinch. Okay. And that's probably on the map there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Exactly. Okay, cool. So I've been to, um, I went up to uh, Port de de Pere, I think is what it's called, Port de Pere. There's a, um, that's on the other side of the island. Uh, That's north of uh, where you are, Gona Ease. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I I know exactly where you are. um, And I was just trying to get, my get a fix on everything that you've got going on here. Okay. So the hurricane didn't hit you too bad, which was amazing. That's awesome. Um, cause it hit a whole lot of people pretty bad. Port-au-Prince was, uh, hit really hard. Um, you know, in that area down there was hit pretty hard. So you, it was, yes. Yeah. You didn't have a whole lot of, uh, of issues with that. So let's go as, as we both know, and maybe our audience doesn't know, it's a very corrupt, um, country majority of their uh, leaders all lead from miami uh they don't uh they don't even live in the the country most of the time Uh, their majority of their resources are imported when they have them uh, in the country i I know rice used to be a huge uh, export for them and now they're importing tobacco coffee yeah Yeah. tobacco coffee yeah some of the best coffee in the world oh my gosh I love the Haitian coffee. Um, but yeah, all of that. And then, you know, they started importing it just due to the fact of all the corruption. And so get all the way up to last year. Well, let's, let's go to COVID. How, what, what happened? And, and, and to be honest, Haiti was the least affected uh, country in the world when it came to, to, uh, to COVID, which. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> they at first. Okay. So, so you, you know this, but. Haitians are terrified of natural catastrophes because yeah. they, 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 like you said, they can't get a break. So they, pre- they prepared as best as they could from, for COVID, I would say for about two months. And then they threw in the towel and said, forget this. There's no way we can social distance. Right. I mean, cause if you've been to a local market, <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. thousands of people on top of each other. And you know what? You're right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that not one of our children, uh, got diagnosed with COVID. I don't even know that one of our staff members did, to be honest with you. Praise God. I mean, we really experienced protection of the Lord, as did, I believe, the country. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, they, they, they it's amazing. And it, there's two school of thoughts. Like, I mean, their immune system has to be off the charts anyway, because you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like, there, sure. there's number one, there's not antibiotics given all, you know, like for the United States, our kids are given antibiotics the second they get a sniffle in their nose. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're given all of these drugs for most of their lives and vaccines and everything else. And over there, they just, they just live, you know, they don't, 
the, the country's not, especially, you know, going through Port-au-Prince and on up, up the coast is not real, um, clean. It's not real, uh, sanitized or sanitary. And, um, you almost think that their, their immune system's got to be off the charts. Definitely. To, to begin with. So, so COVID didn't, didn't, man, God is just all over this. Cause you know, the hurricane didn't get you. COVID didn't get really get you. How did that affect you though? Um, and as far as your staff being able to travel in and out? Well, just, you know, just after COVID kind of rolled right into, um, you know, the, the president the getting president assassinated, assassinated, the whole yeah. country just get going upside down. So we, 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 let's see, we didn't go for, um, now we had missionaries there during COVID. We didn't pull anyone home. We didn't pull anyone off the field during COVID. In fact, looking back, they were safer there. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when when the when the kidnappings started, we we had a okay. So when the president got assassinated, I had a team there from Kentucky, and I had a group of young interns. Oh man! And I get the phone call uh, from our director there saying, "Hey, we need some direction." Yeah, because all, all hell broke loose after that. It wasn't like it was just yeah. the assassination and everything, like, you know, like it literally went into chaos. Yeah, and, and our Kentucky team, we were able to get them out um, a day or so after the assassination, thank goodness. And then our our interns, our, you know, teenage college student interns, we actually felt that it was better to leave them in Gonite Eves. We have a, you know, our, you know, we have a, a guest house that's pretty secure and we felt like better to ride that out instead of make that tr that because there's only one there's really only one road to get from going to support a prince right and that road can get real hot i mean uh you know they, they they block it often they do their protests their manifestations i mean they'll burn cars tires you know you know the drill well it's under gang and control so right now yeah. yeah. And so we felt like we needed to just wait it out, let things kind of settle down a little bit. And then, and then we, they finished out their internship and then we got them out safely. Praise God. And I mean, I'm just thinking like those interns have a story to tell. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they did yeah. great. They, yeah. God's grace was all over them. But when the kidnappings happened, yeah. we, we felt we need to bring our team home. Uh, for just a, a season and but they're actually going back next month oh great um, great yeah they'll be going back next month yeah i just got the uh, green light to go back too so uh they said end of june uh would probably mm -hmm. be the best time to come back so yeah. uh yeah i'm already gearing up ready to go it's been awesome been, well been... hopefully hopefully you can take a take a little bit of time and just come come see our our, our orphanage and meet some of our team. If, Heck yeah. If, uh, not this I'll, trip, maybe next time. Well, I'll, I'll, I can make it happen, man. Um, I, I, I will definitely want, want to check that out. How far are you from Port-au-Prince? About three hours. Three hours. Okay. Yeah. Haitian driving three hours. Not with, <laughs> not with my driver, the driver I've got up there, dude, I'm telling you what, that they don't, if I were going to go to Haiti, I would be in the uh, brake and the horn business. That's what I would be in because yeah. they drive 900 miles so an hour, true. slam on the brakes and honk the horn at everybody. Like there's no stoplights, no, no road signs, no, no, uh, lines no. in the road. No. Well, that's why I say three hours. If you and I were driving, it'd be four and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, dri <laughs> the driver I have, he used to be, uh, he's, he's now a Christian 
and his name's Franz, and he used to be in the in one of the Haitian gangs, and people know him. And uh, I didn't, I haven't asked him why people know him, but I got a feeling it was not for real nice things. But every time I go with him anywhere, like the 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 crowds part. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. Like the crowds part, and I'm I'm able to walk anywhere I want to. <laughs> it's kind of kind of crazy. But uh, our that's that's funny, uh, Jody. Our our Haitian director, his name's Rubens. He was also a gang member in Port-au-Prince. Got saved. Uh, he used to help us at the airport and then one day wanted to come to go to see why all these missionaries were flying in. Cause he would help us with our bags. Yeah. Cause that's, never a, left that's, a, that's chaos getting off the airplane. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Oh, and we saw him in action. I mean, he, he about became violent just protecting <laughs> us from everybody else. I'm like, this is the guy we need. Well, long story short, he ends up going with us a couple times to see why so many Americans are coming in. Cause he's like, he can't figure it out. Like what, what are you guys doing in our country? You're leaving America to come here. He goes and meets our kids and God begins to deal with his heart. Cause he was also orphaned oh. and um, gets, gives his heart to the Lord, gets baptized. Now he's running our entire organization. You are kidding me. No, that gang, is ex- awesome. Praise God. That is awesome. <laughs> that is so, so similar story to your driver. man. Dude, that is awesome. So cool. Yeah, at the airport, like if they grab your bag, they expect to be paid for it. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I uh, actually lived in Kenya for about a year and a half, and same thing over there. Driving yeah, is absolutely way. nuts, and <laughs> <laughs> if they grab your bag, they want to be paid for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's great. All right, so um, Mike, I know. So so Haiti was was your heart. It's it's your baby, and I also know that you go to India. And, um, mm-hmm. so tell me how you went from Haiti halfway around the world to India. How did that start? Well, man, that's a, man, that's a, that I got to blame that one on my wife because, uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, and, and this is one of those stories where, you know, you don't do this. Okay. So don't, don't do this. But, um, we felt like we were supposed to go to Honduras and, uh, my wife has this burden for Honduras. She said, we're supposed to go. I said, well, let's go. So we, we have some relationships there. We were in the Honduras vis- visiting some different orphanages there. Um, and while we're in Honduras, she, she just can't shake this burden for India. And I'm, I'm literally going, woman, we're in Honduras. Like, <laughs> and you're talking about India. We're not even in India. And she's like, I know. So I, I, I did, what every man would do. I say, woman, you need to fast and pray for at least three days. No, not every man would say that. Thank God you did. That's awesome. If God is still on this thing (laughs) after three days of fasting and prayer, you got me. And sure enough, she took me up on it and she could not shake it. Well, there was this little, this, this week we call her little Indian girl that, that, um, she was kind of following on Facebook and, and, um, reached out to her and um real petite uh she's she's um in her late 20s but she just could come across as someone much younger well we kind of vetted this girl and and she she went through ywam Mm. and so it was kind of easy to vet her and she she goes uh through her dts discipleship training school in ywam and then she goes and does her outreach. So she did her YWAM in India and then does her outreach in China. Oh, And she, she commits her life to China 
while in China and God says, no, go back to India and reach the untouchables. So wow. she comes back to India and, and commits to being a missionary to her own land. And so we're finding all this stuff out about her. We reach out to her and we just, we start a relationship with her and we just said, well, we feel like we're, our paths are supposed to cross and connect. Little did we know she was, she was, her, her father's a pastor. He would give her like a 10th of everything that comes in through the offerings. And she would take that money, what little it was, and just go feed children um, at these different feeding centers that she started. Wow. And she tells miracle stories, how the Lord would tell her to get off the bus one day. She gets off the bus. She, and, and she's like, Lord, why am I off the bus? I'm not to the feeding center yet. She looks in the ditch and there's a bag of food. And she picks up the bag of food and goes and feeds the kids that day. She just, (laughs) just, just crazy stories like that. And, um, didn't have much support at all. And long story short, we just fell in love with her. She fell in love with us and we brought her to America just to get to know her better. We got to know her family. And so, um, we said, what's your dream? And she says, I want to bring food to these kids. I said, well, that's our heart, too. Wow. And, and said, out of those feeding centers, um, you know, what would you do if you had more, more resources? She goes, oh, I'd feed hundreds more. And so that's what we did. We just started feeding hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children in India, three different locations. We're still doing that. And we're identifying what children need to be rescued and put into a forever home, like an orphanage. And uh, in the in the midst of doing that, the government approached her and asked, would would we also support, um, believe it or not, a government ran orphanage for infants that have been rescued and abandoned. Wow. And so we're doing that. And um, yeah, so we, we feel like we feel like, you know, the we're, we've just began, even though we've been doing that for a number of years, we just feel like, man, there's so much to be done in India. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we're also now in Honduras. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. Huh? Okay, awesome, awesome. So, so you felt while you were in Honduras, you needed to do something there, and so you jumped there too, huh? Yeah. Uh, so in Honduras, we we built a relationship with a ministry there, and we helped. We came alongside them for a season, helped them. That season kind of came to an end, and. But yet we gained India from it. So we, but the whole time I was, I was like, Lord, I don't feel like Honduras is finished, you know, and just feel like the Lord was just saying, be patient. I'm working behind the scenes. And so, um, I did, we, we, we got busy, you know, continuing to build Haiti and, and India. And then probably about eight or nine months ago, um, I got a call from a local pastor in Houston, uh, that that's been following our ministry for a number of years. And you can't make this one up. He said, uh, he said, Mike, would you prayerfully consider, um, if we gave you the land and the facilities on the, on the land, would you consider building an orphanage and taking what's been in our heart to the finish line? And I said, well, what's on your heart? He said to do exactly what your vision is, but we realized we've taken it as far as we can. We just don't have the anointing for it, but you guys do. We want to give you the land, give you the facilities. If you'll just take it to the finish line and let us be a part of it. <laughs> Holy so, cow. So we, we went back to Honduras. There's over 120 acres of beautiful mountainous land, uh, three different structures, houses, a feeding, a feeding center, <laughs> uh, a prayer center there. And, and since then we've just become great friends with the pastor pastors there. And um, uh, like I said, they pastor a church and, 
in Houston. They brought us before the church and basically adopted our organization, adopted Mandy and I and said, hey, we're still going to do all the things we promised we're going to do, but we're just going to do it through Korolov and they're joining that us and we're joining awesome. them. That's cool. The great part and about so, that is um, for them to have the, the wisdom um, to recognize uh, that they took it as far as they could. Right. And, you know, they said, I heard you say yeah. they had, you know, you guys have the anointing. Well, if you can clearly see that God's asking yeah. you to release what's in your hands to this, these people who aren't you, then you also have the anointing. Like God is still, I mean, in th the fact that you're, you know, going to still be a part of it, right. like you're still yeah. in the same team. Like, yeah. let's go. I've, I've awesome. always said that, you know, it's, you know, especially when you're partnering with people, you need to partner with people that, do the things that you can't, mm -hmm. you know, especially, exactly. you know, like there's no re reason to reinvent the wheel. Uh, let's, mm -hmm. let's find out what's out there. And that's what this church did. That is awesome. So they gave you 120 acres. Is that what you said? Yeah. So what they did is they, they took us and showed us the land and just said, Hey, come up with a master plan. You can have the buildings just, you know, as much land as you need. Wow. And so we're in the process of, of structuring the master plan and um, and I told him, I said, man, I, I, I can't put all of my effort into this until I uh, I'm good on a promise I made to the Lord and to the Haitian people. And that promise is I I promised the Lord that if he would give us the special needs orphan and orphans, um, my heart's just broken for special needs oh, yeah. orphans. I mean, um, it's just it's it's horrific what what they have to go through. Especially and in so, third, um, especially in third world countries, yes. like they're they're they are the least of these, and and they, you know, the untouchables, and they and they do not, yeah, they don't do well in third world countries for sure. Especially when voodoo, oh, the yeah. practice of voodoo yes. has distorted, and and the Haitian people consider anyone with a birth defect or special yes. needs curse. Yeah, so they're cursed. Right, exactly. You know, and so we we have a ton of special needs children and we, and God has used those special needs kids to break that lie. When, when we, when we started bringing in special needs kids, our own mamas were a little bit hesitant because of the, the, right. the stigma and the, the, the lies. And especially our village, our village watched from a distance, us love these special needs children. And now if you go into our orphanage, you will say, Man, it's kind of unfair. Like the special needs children are favored. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like the mamas love. That is it. awesome. Even our children, our children yeah. understand that that they have a special need, and so even even their big brothers and sisters just love on them. Well, man, I got a praise report. We have been looking for land to build um, our first um, special needs orphanage and children's homes and um we just found land and it's literally we this is god so good it's literally right across from where our other orphanage is and go to eve so that so that we'll be able to build sidewalks oh, from one place gosh. to the other Praise where they can god. do wheelchairs and you know and, and and not be uh detached from their the brothers and sisters but this place will be specially built with their needs in mind Praise God. And I don't know of any other place like that in Haiti, Praise but we're going to do it. And, and so as soon as I break ground on that, um, then my attention shifts over to Honduras. And wow. so that it, it should be this year. 
Wow, that yeah. is amazing, man. So just for our audience, um, the predominant religion in Haiti is voodoo. Voodoo uh, and Catholicism. And Catholicism, yeah. yes. Those are the two, um, two predominant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you're right. It is mixed, isn't it? They, it's kind of a, they've taken a little bit of Catholicism, a little bit of voodoo, yep. and came up with a, their own religion, so to speak. And um, it is, uh, it is, it's, yeah. it's uh, very indoctrinated in them, and it's hard to. Um, matter of fact, when I was, uh, I had a conference with 40 pastors and you can tell that they are very, um, uh, dissected. I, I think the word I'm looking for is dice. Like they dissected so many parts of the Bible and the couple of religions that are predominant in there. And they've come up with their mm -hmm. own understanding of mm -hmm. what they think the gospel yep. is and, uh, trying to explain them. Matter of fact, I was talking about, you know, servitude when it came to a husband and a wife. And I had like four or five of the older guys just get really ticked off. They were mad because the woman was supposed to be cooking the meals and he was the spiritual head of the household. And I was like, well, dude, you know, yeah, that's biblical, but not in that way. You know, you're not supposed to be a, a you know, a, a domineering, uh, make her do things. You want her to do that in love, just like God wants us to do our things in love. And, uh, it's a it's a very uh hard uh culture to break and once they get the gospel though man it's all over after that uh, and it's a beautiful thing to see so uh it is a struggle on all fronts and um you know the the sad thing about it is that the family unit is being torn apart in haiti uh, in mm -hmm. some of these third world countries, you know, you've got a lot of, um, Haiti's a little bit different than like maybe Honduras or even India where, you know, sometimes the man just leaves so he can go work. Um, in Haiti, it just seems like they just leave and mm -hmm. it's, it's not like they're going across the country to work. Um, yeah. so, so it's just, it's just a really hard, uh, culture to, to get into, but, uh, man, I'm I am blessed by what you're doing, and uh, and uh, especially like you're spread all over. Uh, how many people do you guys um, have here in the United States working um, through the through the ministry and for the ministry? Yeah, so our headquarters is in Willis, Texas, and um, Northwest Houston's kind of where Manny and I have spent most of our our married years, and and so um, we had a generous generous donor realized that we needed kind of a headquarters because we were meeting at different churches and just kind of, you know, I didn't think we really needed permanent facilities. I mean, and we had so many generous churches that would let us meet there. And he gave us a piece of land and gave us five acres uh, in Willis, Texas, which was, you know, we're close to where we lived anyways. And so we just recently, about five years ago, built um, some offices and so that's where we're headquartered right now. We have about 15 full-time staff members, a number of part-time, and uh, a, a host of amazing advocates, a ton of great churches that um, that just have, have come alongside. When we when we built begin to build Core Love out because of our 17 years of pastoral ministry, I tried to build it out in a way that um that would just make churches uh find it hard to say no right that's good um to orphan care good. and so we you know we we just I, I say it like this like we're we're the vehicle um for many many churches 
that do missions and orphan care. And one pastor, he told me, he's like, man, we'd be crazy not to do orphan care through you guys. He goes, I'd have to hire 10 people to do it as good as you guys do it. Yeah. He goes, I don't want to hire 10 people. He goes, I mean, we're just going to do it with you guys. You know, that's great. And, um, and that's kind of, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to partner that way because together we can accomplish so much more. And man, it's just the Jane, I have such a burden, you know, I know like we throw words around like revival and we need a move of God. And, and I promised the Lord, I would no longer throw words like that around without attaching orphan care and care to the widows with it. Mm, because that's good. Isaiah talks about that's how you sustain a revival. Right. Uh, you know, you want to you want to lose it real quick. Turn a deaf ear to the poor. Stop the doing it. The yep. oppressed, the orphan. Yep. There you go. That is awesome, man. So so Willis, Texas is the, the location. Um, mm -hmm. So let's uh, let's talk about. um you know, your mission and vision, uh, one of the things I saw that, uh, I really, uh, it just, it, from a market, I'm, I'm a marketing guy, uh, as well. And I just, it just caught me as well as, you know, my spirit. Y'all stuff same. looks great, by the way. I, I, I got on it today and I was like, wow, oh, you, thank guys, you guys do a great job with your, well, your thank, book and your marketing. Thank you. And so do you, that's what I was going to say. You, you do a great job with yours as well. And one of the things that I saw was the six basic needs, um, mm -hmm. clean water, proper food, healthcare, education, job skills, and a loving home. So, um, as you provide these things through the orphanage, um, mm -hmm. and you know, with most of the countries being closed off to adoption, uh, how are you going about, um, you know, that sixth area, a loving home? How are you going about providing a loving home to the orphans that are in your orphanages as, as of now? And, um, you mm -hmm. know, what percentages is, 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 is happening here? Or are you doing long-term orphan care or are you seeing a lot of people step up and actually adopt these kids? Like in Haiti, you know, the big deal is, is making sure it, uh, they will tend to want to, you know, stay with aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, they're trying to get them a little yeah. bit with, with yeah. everybody. Uh, what are you seeing and, and how are you making an impact to get these kids out of the orphanage orphanage? Yeah. Well, um, so one of the, one of the things that's not talked about a lot is called a rest of it. Right. And so I want to, I want to share that real quick because a lot of people just go, well, man, there's gotta be a relative, you know, there's gotta be an uncle or an aunt and, I said, well, that may be true, um, but a lot of times in Haiti, that's just not a simple statement. It's not a blanket statement, yeah. you know, that they would be better off there because Arrestovic is someone that you may be a family member. You may be a, a child family member, but you're not treated the same as the other brothers and sisters or, or son and daughter. You're actually treated like a slave. You're a house slave. Yeah. You fetch the water. While the other children go to school, you do the chores, you do the cooking, you do the, and we know what the Lord says about that. You know, I mean, those are, those are, those are fighting words for the Lord. And so um, we've seen that in, in Haiti, especially now we also know that that can, that can also turn into, uh, you know, to some trafficking and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not always as easy just to say, let's find a family member, you know, right. Uh, without truly vetting and that family member going to give them the love and care that, that they deserve. Um, but no, we, I, I'll tell you, uh, our, our, our children are growing fast 
And I would say the majority of our efforts and emphasis right now is on our transition program, our job skills program. Okay. And so um, that is where a lot of our effort is being. In fact, we're in the, we're in the middle right now, in fact, of uh, May Match, which is our, our annual uh, May Match fundraiser. So the, basically the entire month of May, every dollar donated is doubled um for this month and all of the may match donations are going towards our transition program and so um so we'll we'll be adding that link to um to this um on facebook as well so people can see that man that's awesome man uh yeah when else can you double your double your dollar shoot yeah in the kingdom yeah only in the kingdom amen so so you're doing the may match and then um what as far as your uh you know one of the the questions i had you you were talking about you know getting kind of a vocation set up for some of these folks now are Mm -hmm. you are you setting up you know potential parents or some of the older kids um you know with this vocation and number two how are you doing that like in haiti it's really a barter system um yeah that's kind of established how are you doing that so our staff um for example, Rubens, the, uh, our director, um, we were adding a second story to his home. We're almost finished, and he's going to take he's going to take in several of our older boys that are aging into their adulthood, and that's where we call the transition years. Okay. Just like right. our kids turn eighteen and go to college. So our transition program, if you could imagine with me, three different um, three different channels. One is um, children that are brilliant. Um, they are definitely going to go and get further their education beyond high school. And there are some, as you know, colleges and universities in Haiti that you can get an education. So some of our children really are looking forward, aspire to do that. We're going to help them uh, through some different college funds, which is part of our transition program. And then our, our other and most common is children that will just get a job skill and make a living. And then the third is our special needs. And we've made a lifetime commitment to them, obviously, yeah, um, the exactly. ones that, that will have to be with us. But our, as, as Korolov grows, there's so many um, job opportunities uh, being, being presented right in our own organization. For Praise example, God. drivers, security, translators, um, child care providers, you know. Uh, there's children that'll go and be social workers and that will probably come back and end up working for us. We have, we'll, we're looking forward to starting our ministry track, which is where I'd love to, you know, just kind of network with you guys on just uh, training. We have children that want to go be pastors, you know? Great. And so we're super excited about our transition program and the possibilities. Cause as you also know, in Haiti, it's, it's, it's easy to look at the destruction, the poverty, but if you'll look through the eyes of leadership, you see also opportunity. Yes. It is amazing yes. how innovative some of the Haitians yeah, are. It is. And it's just like right on side the road. It's like the guy's got a tire shop, you know, right, <laughs> He's yeah. fixing tires, yeah, you know, exactly. It's just crazy. So there's so many opportunities and our kids are learning leadership. I would say that is the number one key. And, and you go into a restaurant, you go into a hotel and Hey, the customer service is just, honestly, it's brutal. And just the leadership skills. Well, our kids are learning that they're learning hospitality and leadership. And we're, we're already, I believe anticipating that 
that people are going to want to hire our children, our young adults coming out because of what they're learning. That's and that's, awesome. that's, a, that's our vision. Our vision is not necessarily to get them all adopted. It's for them to be the future leaders of Haiti. And we just, we just believe God can do that. That is great, <laughs> man. You, when you meet some of our older yeah. kids, you'll want to, you'll want them. You'll right. want them in Port-au-Prince helping what you're doing. I mean, they're just, I, I brag on them because they're just so amazing. Yeah. I mean, they, they really are. That is awesome. So I literally was just talking to, you know, Pastor VGNA today and uh, he came into the United States. It's kind of weird how God is working all of this out because I had him in this week uh, at our church and um, we've got him going off to a couple other places and he's, you know, um, preparing to head back to uh, Haiti in the next, I think in the next week, actually. And so he and I literally were just talking today about how we establish uh, more churches in and through Haiti. So he's got 40, um, right now that he's has established. And th those are the 40 pastors that we're training. But I, I told him, I literally sent him a, an email this morning. I said, I need, I need cost breakdown of what it would cost to start a church, um, to pay a pastor and how do we implement those throughout the country? And, um, it sounds like you've got men, potential men that may, may be on down the road, um, you know, pastoral, uh, in nature Absolutely. to be able to take some of these places. So look what we got, God's doing already. And, uh, we haven't even prayed about it yet. <laughs> so, or, or, or Jody, I'm, I, if, you know, maybe, maybe you've seen it different, but you know what I've seen, like, um, something that I would, I would say uh, every American church has two things. I mean, no matter how small has a children's program and a youth program, Yes, you know, and a youth program is so neat. Youth programs are a youth ministry, spirit filled youth ministry. I'm not talking about programs, as right. you know it, but yes, you know, exactly. spirit filled youth, youth ministries ran by spirit filled men, young yes. men are so needed. And, and I could see, I, I mean, I, I was a youth pastor for many, many years. I have such a burden for the teenagers, the yes. young adults, and I'm looking at our kids grow up and man, with the proper Bible training and discipleship, there's no reason, there's no reason they can't, they can't start, um, youth led small groups and, yes. you know, and help come alongside a pastor Amen. and help create yes. that within the church. Cause it's unheard of in Haiti for there to be a strong youth ministry in a church. Right. Exactly. And pastor Vijay and I were just talking about that it was one of the things that he needed was help, you know, like people to yep. come alongside of him. And again, exactly. you know, tithing, tithing there is not necessarily, well, number one, people don't have it to, and, and just mm -hmm. to, to get money to keep the church open is about all they can do in most cases. Right. Um, you know, and th I think, man, that's a, that's a great idea to start, you know, training these, these young men, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get into that kind of mindset of how they, you know, reach the youth and how they come alongside pastors that are already established there. Good Christian pastors that, that are there. And the four, yeah. the 40 that I met, I would say probably, so we established a man up God's way outpost there. Um, and that was in 2017. And, um, I went back in 2019 and, a it, it, we, we've been doing this for quite some time now. And, um, I would say there's probably 10 of those pastors that, uh, I could say that I would say, okay, these guys need help and they're good Christian guys. And the other, yeah. the other 30 are, you know, still trying to figure it all out kind of deals. So. Right. No, I, I completely <laughs> understand. And I appreciate the, 
appreciate the candidness because that, yes, I understand what you're saying. But man, those ten would be great spiritual fathers and mentors. Shoot, yes, to some younger men, yes. you know, as well. Yeah, I there's a there's still an you know especially for the older men, there's still this um, uh, hierarchy there. You know, uh, the elder w- yes. wiser guys, you know that feel they need yeah. people working for them and under them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but we got to tear that down. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a call, that's causing problems in the the marriage, it's causing problems in the home, um and uh it's it's very uh, domineering if you will and uh yeah. not very Christ-like loving. Um we see for, the same thing. Okay. We see all right, the same good. Thing. Yeah, I think I think it's just the culture, um you know, just the way they developed the culture. And you see that quite a bit uh in some of the mm-hmm. the the poorer countries like that. So that yeah. is awesome. All right. So uh, I was looking through some stats here, um, you know, in Haiti, and this was, I think this was 2020 or 2021. I'm not for sure. Uh, I think this was, I, I printed off your annual report. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had 115 children in full-time care uh, in Haiti. You've got 150 staff, 300 plus children receiving a quality education, 182,000 meals served and 48 children in transition programs. Man, that is, that is awesome. Holy cow, dude. That is so good. Um, what ministry is that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, no pat, we, yeah, don't pat yourself on the back yet, buddy. <laughs> no, go back 10 years. Yeah. Go back 10 years. And this is why I joke about that. Yeah. We were the most unlikely people <laughs> that we would have ever thought God would call to do this. And I, I never forget one time after we built the orphanage and then the school and the clinic and we were just rolling. And I remember just kind of looking at it going like, Man, I think I need a break, you know, yeah. I need to just kind of, kind of enjoy this. And, and I just remember the Lord going, yeah, stay humble. Uh, you may not have been my first choice for this. <laughs> and, <laughs> the other people didn't said, listen. He said, but yeah. you did yeah. say yes. Did I'm you, thinking, yeah. is that true? Maybe someone else said no, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's we a, talked about that last week. We talked week. about that last week. You know, you, you may have not been the first choice, but you're the one who said yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's looking for a yes. And um, we had a guy. And if God can use us, he can use anybody. Yeah. So last week, it's just, this this week has just been amazing. Last week we had David Paterka on, and he is a missionary from Malawi, and um, he's uh, here in St. Louis. We're based out of St. Louis, and uh, he was in town. He's in town. He goes there for nine months, and just happened to be here for three months. And so we talked to him for the first time. I've never met the guy. Never. Um, had seen him. We just got to talking and, uh, a contact of ours knew him. And so we had him on the podcast and this kid, I'd say he's a kid cause he's late twenties, early thirties. I'm, I'm in my fifties, but, um, he, uh, he just had this heart for, um, this like he, he didn't even know how he ended up Malawi other than God told him to go there. Like, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. I never even thought about it. And it, he does sex trafficking. Um, he doesn't do sex trafficking. Let me rephrase that. He uh, he takes care. He, <laughs> yeah, he you can't get this he, man yeah, in trouble. Yeah, exactly. He pulls pulls girls out of sex trafficking, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he goes there as a twenty something, and he flies in, and he's like, I I don't even I, I've got one contact. I'm gonna meet him. So they meet in this context. Like, man, you need to meet so and so. So he goes and meets so and so. Well, within the week or two that he was there, they were given twenty acres of land, and um, 
to, right. to be able to start this man he's like i'm 20 something years old and here all of a sudden they're giving me the government gave him the land to start this ministry and uh, one thing led to another and he's been there for quite some time but uh it's just amazing what god does and we were talking last week about him listening to the call and he even said something about it. i don't even know if i was the first person that he called but so yeah. so here in india uh you've got 400 children served now do you have an orphanage there or are you just feeding right at the moment so the 400 in the feeding center are are the ones um that we've been able to feed on a daily basis and then we have an orphanage that's primarily infants that's okay like i said the government so asks like, us, yeah we, we're okay. not able to go as public you know with some of some of that information just because um, you know, the, the religious, yeah, exactly. the religion there and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine. Um, uh, so you got 13 staff, 882 educational classes taught 98,000 meals provided and 960 hygiene kits distributed. Holy cow, man. I am ro- I'm royally and thoroughly impressed. Um, gosh. So you've got, um, Currently, 45, so last year you had 45 events at churches, schools, and businesses, Um, 13,000 visitors to the website. I think we can help you increase that. 17%, we'll just start telling everybody to go there. 17% increase in YouTube subscribers, and then 164,000 views of Core Love's 2021 Defend the Orphan Month program. That's awesome. Um, And so... Oh, you got a coffee house too. I didn't see that. That is awesome. We can't partner anymore. Yeah, <laughs> Shut it down. Oh yeah. We, Cause we down. got man up coffee. Uh Oh, <laughs> it's got competition now. So love coffee is a unique <laughs> coffee shop. That is cool, man. So 50%, yeah. Oh, 50% of the profits go back to the ministry. Dude, yeah, that's, you, that's... you have it going on. God has given you a great vision and man, you've laid this thing out. Perfect. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. Well, you and your wife are, are amazing. So I tell you, one of the things that I saw, um, that really impressed me and I don't, I don't see this very often with ministries. Uh, and I I didn't understand, you know, maybe how some of these ministries do it, do it, but you have what's called the defender program, uh, become a defender. And so a hundred percent of those donations go right into, whatever you're defending, whether it's Haiti or, or India or right. soon to be Honduras or whatever. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So and, yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, so, so then I saw the other part was that you have donors actually give to the administrative part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, so that's so impressive. Just, just, just for a little explanation, Jody, cause that's such a, I appreciate you bringing that up, you know, cause we definitely didn't go over any sort of ground rules or anything no. <laughs> of, of what, what I can bring up, but just, just, just so you know, and for our listeners, um, man, we just really sought God on how we can take care of the day to day. I mean, you know, the, the stuff that not many people get too excited about because everybody gets excited about building a new orphanage or building a school, building a hospital. Okay. Well that's built and done now you got to run it. You got to, right. you got to pay the teachers every week and, and you got to hire mamas that change diapers and, and 24 seven watch over some of our special needs kids. And, and we thought about, we prayed about the world vision, compassion international child sponsorship model. And as we kind of did a case study, uh, 
the the vast majority of those children are not orphaned. They're just impoverished children. In fact, I want right. I can't remember which which uh, organization it is. They don't even they don't even do orphan children. They just do impoverished children, right. children that live with a a mom, dad, auntie, grandma, whatever. And I said, well, man, our, our situation is so unique because we're committing to these kids from, for example, um, you know, we got a phone call from the ho- one of the hospitals that said, hey, we have a special needs kids here, kid here. He was an infant and um, and his mom left and she she won't return and we can't take him anymore. Can you take this kid? And wow. we said, absolutely. So we go get the kid and we bring him in that kid enters into our program and we're not like, okay, well, we'll do this for three or four months. So you get on your feet. It's a kid. I mean, we're committed to a lifetime. In fact, (laughs) most of the kids, we don't even have birth certificates because it's a rescue situation. We don't even know how old they are. So their birth date becomes the rescue date. So we guess their age and their birthday becomes the day we rescued them. That is and so, so cool. So we're going, okay, so, so you know, God give us a strategy of how to take care of and defend these children on a daily basis. And we just felt like we're to do it a little bit differently. Um, and that's our defender program. So basically, you don't necessarily select one child because we have a couple children that are super cute. And they got these bubbly personalities. All, all of our kids are amazing. Right, but exactly. that kid would have 100 sponsors and maybe some of our special needs children that can't really get out of a wheelchair or something may not be able to, you know, get as many sponsors. And we just said we can't do that in a family type setting. And so you actually come along and you choose an orphanage. You choose the community that you want to support. And we put everybody on an even playing field, just like you would in your family and my family. And we make sure that all the needs are met and it's worked out really well for us. It's, it requires a little bit more education and explanation. Um, but that is our defender program. And we wanted to do it where, where we could give a hundred percent that way we're not taking any admin fees. And so all of our other donations and, and, and specific donors donate to our, our overall, uh, um, you know, uh, ministry, and we're able to take a very small percentage out of that to run the admin cost. Awesome, uh, so man. when you sign up to become a monthly partner in our Defender program, yes, 100% awesome. um, goes hey, to those kids. That's awesome. Hey, Mike, I'm going to have uh, for Goza ask you a few questions. I got to run here for just two seconds. He's going to ask you a sure. couple of questions. Just one second. Yep. And while he's um, jumping on, I went ahead and put that website up. It's the corelove.org slash partner. And you're kind of, you kind of described that, but more or less you, you can pick which orphanage or is it just all kind of go into a single kind of pot for everybody? Is that how that works or? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can select the community and the orphanage, but we, we are very upfront with people that, you know, if we get a thousand new partners, which we've never got a thousand new partners, but if we did, and they <laughs> no, all we're going to pray for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, obviously, you know, there needs to be some runover, right? So it runs over to the orphanage that may need the most. Like when we start Honduras, I mean, we, we may not, I mean, um, we may not be able to start um, Honduras with a hundred percent of the need being met. So we may have to pull on some here and there. But 
the bottom line is 100% of it goes to the six programs absolutely um, that's mentioned there yep. now um how do you this is for goza how do you um sep you separate those two with your defenders so there's a separate group that's donating mm -hmm. to keep everything running is that made up of pastors let's say you know you're feeling like you want to get involved but you want to actually donate to um the cogs and the wheels the things that continually keep yeah. the organization going how does that look yeah, that's a great question. You know, to my amazement, um, you know, when I first started Core Love, I had this like this. It was it was kind of my goal of, man, we're going to do this to where 100 percent can go to the ministry. And, and <laughs> somehow, somehow we're just going to do 100 percent. And I, I remember I remember my board going, man, that's not even realistic. Like businesses can't do that. Churches can't do that. Like you got to feed you have to feed your people. You got to feed into the growth, into leadership development, into in today's world marketing and things like that. Now, so what we did is we said, you know what, we want to stay around that 15% mark, uh, you know, and and that way that's that is um, something I think we can be proud of. And then I said, okay, well, I agree with that, you know, because this is this is nine years ago, you know. I'm, I'm like, okay, I can agree with that, but the defender programs has to be a hundred percent. So we kind of created this hybrid where, you know, uh, a stay at home mom that donates 50 bucks a month. I want that 50 bucks to go to the, 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 the programs and to the businessman or the pastor that understands how a business or an organization works. They, to my surprise are, are extremely happy to donate to that side of the ministry because they mm -hmm. want us to grow. They right. want us to be healthy. They want our, our staff to be well taken care of so that we're not having burnout and turnover and things like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's really worked, worked out well for us. I will say our defender program is our biggest challenge because we've said yes to more children than, than we have um, uh, partners to re to cover that cost. What? So we're having to take out of a general fund every month to, you know, to feed into the Defender program. So, but that is something we're working on right now. Um, in fact, we just kind of rebranded it a little bit and we're, we're just asking the Lord for real, some real strategy there on how to really take that to the next level, to be honest with you. That's awesome. Jody back here, Mike, sorry about that. Um, with the... So where are you right now as far what what's the ratio of defender uh, donors compared to children? Do you have what uh, do you understand? You know, the yeah, the last the, the I'm going to I'm going to give a ballpark here. Um but I would say probably on a monthly basis we're pulling we're pulling upwards towards 10 maybe a little bit more $10,000 a month to put into the defender program. And as we gain more defender partners, that number just keeps going down. No kidding. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, what what's your average defender um, dollar amount? Do you have one? Yeah, that's a good question. So when we first when we first launched, um, we had three different entry points. One was like thirty, fifty, and then a hundred dollars. And I would say the average came in. Uh, probably in between 50 and a hundred, about, about 50 bucks, right in the middle there. Okay. Um, and since then we kind of, we just wanted to make it more simpler and just, you know, give less options and let, let just people just, I don't know, just 
uh, we're, we're totally, like I said, we're totally open to some revamp, but, um, but I would say that's about our, our average, uh, that come in. And then, and then for now that doesn't cover the cost of a kid monthly. In fact, that's another reason why we, we felt like we weren't to do child sponsorship because in child sponsorship, maybe maybe $40 a month. And that helps that kid offset some of the costs for him to go to school or offset some meals that they may need. Well, we're, we're taking care of all the needs of our children. So it's a lot more expensive. And you know, this, even in the third world country, it's not like you can stretch a dollar for days yeah, and days. Exactly. You know, it's, in, yeah. in fact, some things are more expensive in Haiti right. than yeah. in the U.S. It's, well, it's, it's bizarre. Just trying to get things in Haiti to begin with is miserable. Yeah. What is your, like, what's your average, uh, let's, let's just talk about Haiti for now, because uh, I think it's a little bit different in India because you're, mm-hmm. you're really just feeding. But um, right. since you're doing everything in Haiti, you're doing everything from... Um, the child care to child feeding to the 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 building the maintenance the all of that kind of stuff and um, and then the education on top of that health care what is your average dollar per child there per month it's yeah it's um, now in, not including our special needs children which which can be a little bit more because right. of the round of, round the clock care but I would say it's closer to about two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars a month okay. Per child. Yeah. And so you've uh-huh. got 150 kids in Haiti right now. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, around 120, yeah. 120, okay. So, I mean, you're talking a, a nice little chunk of change each month um, mm-hmm. to, I mean, you're talking $36,000 a, a month just to, yeah. uh, just to maintain. Okay. Well, and I'm not, I'm not asking for your finances. I want our audience to understand what it takes even in a third world country to, to raise these children. And, um, so that they would, uh, you know, at least feel the, hopefully the Holy spirit is, is tugging on them for, for a lot of people, you know, $300 a month is not that big of a deal. You know, I mean, it's, you know, they spend that much money on Starbucks coffee and, um, you know, I, re- I really would like for people just to understand the what goes on behind the scene as well. Like it takes money uh, to run an organization, even a, a Christian ministry, even a church, um, even nonprofits. You'd be amazed at how much money it really takes. But what I like about your ministry is that you've you've separated these well enough to say, listen, we have administration expenses. We have building maintenance, travel, everything, all of that stuff costs money. But on the other side, here's, here's a place for you to donate exclusively to uh, the child. And that's, that to me was really cool. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, that is cool. So um, how have you been to Haiti this year? I haven't this year. Okay. I haven't got it. I haven't got to go now that, now that we're kind of open back up. Um, like I said, our missionaries will be heading over in June sometime in June. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll start making trips again. Awesome. That is awesome. So how do, so let's, let's go to the church side. Um, how do you get churches or, or what's, what's the best way for churches to get involved? And thank, thanks for that question. That's a softball. Thank you. <laughs> Lay up. You, you, well, didn't, you didn't even pay me for that one. 
Yeah. <laughs> when I was on when I was on staff at, at the church that I launched from my sending church, um, I was kind of the guy that um, took took the calls for missionaries seeking support, you know, so, so as a church, we would get calls. I'm sure you get this, you know, letters in the mail, phone calls about, Hey, can you support this? And I'll never forget, like, just, just, you know, we were kind of maxed, maxed out as a church. And so I would have to tell these, these um, missionaries, like, no, we're not taking on any, any more, you know, missionaries. And they'd be like, well, can we just get coffee? You know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you want to have coffee? I mean, but I mean, we, we just aren't able to do more, you know, and that's a whole nother story in itself. But um, I remember just that struggle, man, just being in that tension. And this is this is before the Lord called us to be missionaries and do do what Core Love does. But when he did, I remember thinking back on those phone calls and I just said, Lord, you know, I was like, is there any way like it, it just just could you just lay lay out you know a strategy for us and and as i already shared our pastor brought us up other pastors and friends and family heard about it and they just kind of came in and so that was kind of my personal story of, of of raising support for for our family and and it was a it helped us to focus on churches and when i would go into a church i wasn't there to raise personal support i was there to highlight core love and share testimonies and you know, pastors obviously would have me come in and give me a window or, or let me do the whole service. And so that was kind of becoming the common question, like, how can we serve core love, you know? Right. And we just said, man, three ways. I mean, number one, please pray. And I, I b- before doing core love, I kind of thought that was just kind of the classic, like you got to throw that one in, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but now that we've done core love, like, I'm like, if you don't do anything, please pray. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the difficulties <laughs> of missions is indescribable. I mean, yes. you can't describe how hard missions is, especially orphan care and uh, please pray for us. But that is, that is one way. I mean, if you can add us to the prayer meeting list, give us, give our names to, you know, give, give core love, the name of core love to intercessors, go to our website, look at the profiles of our children, pray for them by name. I mean, I'm not even kidding that, that makes a world of difference. And then the other way is, is simply get involved by going. I mean, come with us, you know, I mean, soon when Honduras, we're rolling in Honduras, it'd be a lot easier to get there. Haiti, I would say we're not advertising trips right now, but we have some partners that want to go and we're like, hey, you know the deal. You've been there a number of times. Yeah, we'll yeah. take you, you know, yeah, but it's exactly. a little bit more riskier there right now. So going, um, man, once someone goes, it's a game changer. It's a, you know that. Yeah, it changes a life big time. I mean, people are yeah. rocked when they when they come back. They're like, OK, I know what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then the other way that's probably the most common is is give. I mean, give to what we're doing. Um, one of the most powerful things a pastor can do, a church can do, is just have us come share these mm. kids' stories and what God's doing, and then and then allow allow the people in the congregation the opportunity to become a defender. Amen. You know, I Amen. mean, someone because because think about it, I mean, uh, uh, and, and churches do all these things, you know, a, a pastor will have a take up an offering and man, you never know what God could do. We have some miracle stories about one-time offerings that came from churches that may surprise you, yeah, you know, that exactly. maybe they weren't that big, but someone that they were in there for one service and God touched their heart and they yes. wrote a check, 
you know, it's just, it's crazy how God will move mountains to provide for these children. But when a pastor allows the congregation to have the opportunity to become a defender, man, it's like the gift that mm. keeps on giving every yes. month, you know, and some of our defenders are, they're with us for 10 years, like 10 years running and still giving that maybe it's a hundred dollars a month. But if you do the math for 10 years, yeah, it's a, that's, that's a lot of money. Exactly. It's a lot of money, you know, and, and we have college students, high school students, um, elderly, just becoming part of our defender program. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Dude, I but, am um, so, yeah, those are, those I, are some of the ways. I am so blessed are. by this ministry, dude. I, I haven't even been a part of it yet. So I, I'm just amazingly blessed. You know, one of the things that I have people ask all the time, you know, why Haiti? Why India? Why, you know, Honduras when there's so many people in the United States, uh, you know, in St. Louis, we've got, you know, pockets that we could spend a lot of time in. And, you know, one of the things that I tell people is like, when you do a short term mission trip and first of all, you're probably, if you're asking that question, why aren't you doing it? Not, not why yeah. am I doing it? You know, how come you're exactly. not out here in, you know, St. Louis or Chicago or wherever doing this? Um, but when you do go to a mission trip, a short-term mission trip like Haiti or Guatemala or Honduras or India or whatever, Africa, when you come back, you realize how little ministry you truly do, especially mm -hmm. in the United States. And it, what yeah. it what it did for me was to go, okay, what about my community? What about my state? What about the United States? You know, what do I, what can I do different? And then as in the meantime, go to Samaria and Judea and all the ends of the earth while Amen. preaching the gospel. So I want our audience to know that, um, it is good to take a short term mission trip. You know, you never know what God's going to do. Number one, the trip is for you. It's not for the people that you're going yeah. there. You may give a so little good. helping hand. You may paint some walls. You may put up a few bricks or some boards or something like that. But all in all, that's going to get done with or without you. But what will change is your heart when you get back and you realize that number one, God is, is, uh, is, is working there. You know, the first time I went to Guatemala, it really broke my heart. I'm thinking, why, why would God allow this to happen? And, and, I was talking to one of the missionaries was there, you know, cause that night, uh, the police pull up and they hand three kids over and the orphanage takes those three kids. And I'm just like, why would God do that? And they, they stopped me and they said, well, look at what God's doing. There's a mission. There's an orphanage here with missionaries, with people that love them, that are taking care of them, that has school and all of this kind of stuff. God so is, good. God is taking care of them. Imagine if God didn't put this orphanage here, what, where they would be. And I was like, ah, oh, dang, I, okay. I gotta, I gotta revisit, revision this because God is already there working. God's already doing that. And, um, yeah. a lot of times like through you and your wife, um, he expands a ministry to reach literally the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. Mm. It's Thank amazing. You. It's amazing, man. I'm, I'm humbled by, by people like you that, you know, just step out and, uh, in faith and literally just do what God has called us to do. So I appreciate you. So we got a few more minutes left, Mike. Uh, any last things you want to tell our audience or um, a plea or a prayer or what What? What would you like to say as, uh, as we wrap up yeah. here? Well, first of all, um, guys, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I was thinking about just the 
the significance of maybe our ministries coming together. Mm. And I thought of Malachi 4, 6. It says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, mm. hearts of the children to the fathers. And, of course, we know what, what that'll do. Uh, that'll uh, release a blessing. Yes. And so here you have this ministry to men to be spiritual fathers, and we have this ministry to children without fathers. Mm. And I just thought, God, you know, only you can orchestrate the relationships that are needed so that we could fulfill scriptures like this, you know. Amen. And so for that, just, man, just I'm happy to lean in and just and just be praying about, you know, more than just this podcast, why our ministries and why our lives cross paths. Amen. And who knows, it may be for the reaching of many, many more men and many, many more orphans. And, and um, for that, it's just an honor to be a part of. Um, what I'd like to say to anyone listening um, is I think for so long, we as Christians, especially in America, have used so many excuses, especially as men. Yes. To not get in the game, stay on the sideline, uh, I mean, and just live vicariously through other ministries like like Man Up. And I just want to encourage anyone listening to get in the game and and just and just take take away the excuse that we're waiting on God. Because yes. I believe God's waiting on us. Yep. And he responds to the proactive men of faith. Um, I don't think you need permission. I don't think, you know, you need to fear that you're going to outrun God. I mean, how arrogant is that to think <laughs> how slow is God? I mean, just engage. I don't know that God would ever get upset that you stepped out to do something good. Yeah. He, In fact, so Isaiah, yeah. Isaiah talks about it. And the prophet says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. And it doesn't stop there because it's not just good enough to not do wrong. You don't right. get a you don't get a reward for not doing wrong. Right. It says learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the orphan, fight for the rights of widows. And so I think we've patted ourselves on our back and said we're holy. And God's going, man, are you kidding me? That's not there's more to it. Right. Go, go seek to do good. And you don't need permission for that. Um, oh, that's good. And, and then the last three little, little things, I, this isn't original for me, but it sure, it sure has helped me. I would just say, if, if you feel like you need a little guidance, just live by these three things, hear the voice of God, obey the voice of God and persevere. Mm -hmm. If you'll do those three things, I mean, God could use you to do anything. Um, just hear his voice, obey his voice. And then don't quit because it will be the hardest thing you've ever done, <laughs> Yes, but it'll be the most fulfilling thing you've ever done. Just persevere and um, there'll be a great reward at the end. Love it. I needed well, those words tonight. That's for sure. That was good. That was really good. Well, Mike, brother, I am, I am blessed beyond measure. And uh, I want to say too. thank you for uh, thank you taking your, yeah. Thank you for taking your time tonight. Tell your wife, thank you and your kids that, uh, taking uh, time on a Monday night to uh, to come talk with us. Tell them thank you. We said thank you. And I'm looking forward to uh, partnering somehow, some yes. way. Um, I would uh, I would love to, to be a part of this as far as our Man Up God's Way men's ministry and uh, see what we can do to come alongside of you. 
I will. Uh, how about if we talk this week and uh, yeah. just kind of after the podcast uh, takes off uh, on air? To, it's live now, but it'll go uh, on our podcast stream tomorrow night or, or tonight. I'm sorry, late tonight. And then once it gets going, we'll uh, we'll chat and see uh, what God can do for us, man. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank brother, you, thank you so much again. Uh, God bless you, uh, folks. Make sure that you go. Check out corelove.org uh, and check out this ministry. It's an amazing ministry. We are blessed to have had Mike on here tonight, and uh, he is changing lives, and he listened to God, and uh, um, you can see what happened 10 years later. And in 10 years, Mike, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. Holy cow, God has just used you in 10 years. Like, that's just crazy. So uh, Thank you. God is so faithful. Yeah, Folks, stop waiting on God to, to, to show you a sign. There's stuff out there to do. There's plenty of work to do. Um, if you don't feel like doing something, write a check uh, and check out corelove.org. We mm -hmm. love you guys, and we'll see you next Monday. Thank you, Joey. Thanks, guys. You've been Mike, listening thanks, to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.